Okay, we'll go ahead and start tonight. Like I say, good evening to everyone that's here with us and uh, welcome those joining us by Facebook. And uh, tonight we're going to begin a several session study on different, um, I, would, I guess world religions is the best uh, description for it. This week we're looking at Islam. The next time we meet will be uh, Hinduism and then there will be some others after that. So our, our primary goal tonight is to learn um, about Islam, about what the Muslims believe and how to witness to them. So let's go ahead and um, begin and uh, let's, let's open with a word of prayer. Our Father, I pray this as we study tonight that you will lead us through this lesson, that you would uh, guide my words, and Father, help us to to learn and understand how to witness to those around us that may believe in other uh, religions, and uh, Father, help us to know how to witness to them. pray that you would lead us, guide us, and direct us in our study. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so in Islam, of course, their uh, key figure in history is Muhammad. Um, and Islam was established around 622 AD, which, relatively speaking, for a religion is fairly young. It's only about 1,400 years old. When we think about Christianity, it's around 2,000 some odd years old, and Judaism goes back probably 4,000 ish, something like that. So it's relatively young, but it's the second largest. Uh, world religion behind Christianity. Um, now, as far as these statistics, I'm not sure what year these are from. I know they're fairly recent. I'm thinking the numbers are probably higher now. I don't know. But it's estimated there's 800 million to a billion uh, adherents of, Muslim, of Islam worldwide, 58% in South and Southeast Asia, 28% in Africa, and this kind of surprised me, only 9% in the Near and Middle East and 5% other, which America would fall in the other category. Uh, like I say, that's probably a higher percentage now, but it's estimated at this time that there was uh, between 6.5 and 8 million in the United States. Um, so what is Islam? Again, it's the youngest uh, major world religion it claims to be the restoration of true monotheism. Now, what that means is there was Judaism, there was Christianity, then we jump forward a few hundred years and Islam is established that supersedes both Christianity and Judaism, so it is the restoration to truth. That's what they believe, that Judaism and Christianity were revelations at their time, they were proper, but now Islam has come along and it has replaced and become the main religion. Uh, their religion stresses submission to Allah, which is what they call God. Um, they have to conform to the five pillars or disciplines, um, not pillows, but pillars. There's a, there's a difference, you sleep on the pillow you adhere to a pillar, okay. Um, and they believe that's what's essential for salvation. It's completely works-based by adhering to these 
pillars. It spread rapidly. It took only about a century uh, for it to spread across the entire Middle East, most of North America or North Africa, and into India. Uh, Christianity, on the other hand, it spread quickly. We know the Apostle Paul took it to the Gentile nations, but I don't believe it spread quite that quickly. They believe God um, is unknowable personally. We have a personal God that we know. We can talk directly to him. We can enter his throne room. But Allah is not knowable personally. His will, however, has been perfectly revealed through the Quran, their holy book. Now their founder, Muhammad, Muslims believe he is the last and greatest prophet of God. Um, he was from Mecca. He was forced to leave around 622. That's about when the religion was um, started. And the reason he was run out of Mecca is because he was preaching against the paganism in the city. You know, that's pretty admirable. Um, he went, he left and went to Medina, and he was a military leader. And after several military victories, he was able to um, return to Mecca, where Islam really took off at that point in 630 A.D. Something to... Um, to ponder and consider here. Muhammad, they believe, was the last and greatest prophet of God. And this was around 622-ish or so A.D. In Christianity, we believe that John the Baptist was the last of the Old Testament prophets. He died around... 28 to 36 A.D., somewhere in that time period. Remember, um, he spoke out against the uh, marriage of, was it Herod? Actually, yeah, Herod to his uh, sister-in-law, and he eventually was beheaded. So he died in the early, probably around early 30s A.D. Then um, we have the Apostle John, the last of the apostles who died we don't know exactly when he died but he wrote Revelation around 90 to 95 AD and in Revelation 22 8 and 9 it says I John am the one who heard and saw these things and when I heard and saw I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me these things but he the angel said to me do not do that I am a fellow servant of yours and of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who heed the words of this book, worship God. In verse 9, the angel tells John that he is a brethren of the prophets. So what that means is we hold the New Testament writings as inspired the same as the Old Testament writings. We take the whole of Scripture as inspired of God, beginning with Moses' writing through John the Revelator. My point being, the Bible was written across, written across 1,500 years by 40-some-odd different authors across three continents. 
And yes, it was 1,500 years, but especially around the time of Jesus, a lot of that writing took place around 60 to 90 A.D. Okay? Then there's a gap. We know that there's a gap between the Old Testament and New Testament 400 years when God went silent. But now Islam is coming in and saying, okay, after 90 to 95 A.D. when the revelation was given, given here in 622 A.D., an angel of Allah, Gabriel, spoke to Muhammad and gave him the Quran to reestablish the true monotheism. My question is, for a Muslim, after having the full counsel of God from creation to the uh, consummation at the end of the age, why would there after so many years be another revelation? That kind of, um, when you believe that you've got the full revelation of God, why would God reveal another um, book? Same thing sort of in, uh, with the Book of Mormon. Why would there be another testament, another, another revelation of God when he gave us the final revelation? I don't believe God would give us revelation get going into the future if he had more to say later. So that's something to ponder when, when talking to a Muslim about the Quran. And speaking of the Quran, that is their sacred book. They believe it's the perfect word of God. And it was dictated in Arabic by the angel Gabriel to Muhammad. Um, it doesn't say it in the material, but Muhammad uh, was not literate. He had to convey this to someone who then wrote it down later. But they believe it's God's precise words and that the Quran, as the word of God, pre-existed in eternity with God. They call it the mother of the book. It was uncreated and co-eternal with God. It's the total and perfect revelation of the will of God contained in the Quran. Now the Quran is about four-fifths the length of the New Testament and divided into 114 chapters. Now, do note this, not only do Muslims have the Quran, but they also um, respect the Torah, the writings of Moses, the Psalms of David, and the four Gospels. But they do not take those writings as the full Word of God. The Quran takes precedent over the Torah, the Psalms, and the Gospels. So while they do have those as part of their writings, they do not carry the same weight as the uh, Quran. And if you're a Muslim, you are to read the Quran in Arabic. If you memorize it and recite it, you're to do it in Arabic. There are English uh, Qurans that do exist. I believe I have an electronic copy of it that I've never looked at. But a true Muslim believes that it cannot be translated from the Arabic because that's how God gave it word for word to Muhammad and that's the only way that it is to be read. 
for their salvation. Um, to be saved as a Muslim, you have to believe in Allah's existence. You have to believe the authority of Muhammad as a prophet and the closed canon and perfection of the Quran. Now there are five pillars, and I'll, I'll say this up front, there's some words on these five here that I'm not going to try to pronounce. I, I haven't learned Arabic, so I'm, I'm not going to try it. But the first one is their confession of faith. Confession of faith is there's no God but Allah, and Muhammad is his prophet. The second is prayer, which this is the prayer they have five times a day where they face Mecca. And you'll see this a lot in big cities. They'll even sometimes be out in the street if it reaches that time of day and there's a large population. They'll be in the street bowing towards Mecca for their daily uh, prayer. Let's see, they pray before sunrise, at noon, mid-afternoon, sunset, and prior to sleep. Then they have almsgiving. Uh, they're required to give two and a half percent of their wealth to the poor and or for the furtherance of Islam. I guess if you think Christianity is too expensive at 10 percent, you could go to Islam and, and get a discount down to two and a half. Um, but they believe by doing so, by giving their two and a half percent, the wealth that they have left is purified. I guess it becomes holy or blessed at that time. Number four is the fast, which takes place during Ramadan, which is in the fall to winter of the year. During Ramadan, from sunrise to sunset, they're not supposed to eat or have uh, relations with one another. But from sunset to sunrise, you know, they have celebrations and everything. It's just during sunrise to sunset that they fast. Ramadan celebrates the remembrance of Muhammad receiving the Quran. And fifth is their pilgrimage. All Muslims who are economically and physically able are required to travel to Mecca at least once in their lifetime. Um, while there, they're to walk around their shrine of the Black Rock. They walk around it seven times. This is considered the holiest site of Islam. And the reason is they believe this is the original place of worship for Adam and then later on Abraham. So they hold this as the one true place of worship. Now the doctrines of Islam, they see God as absolutely, numerically, totally one. Where there comes an issue, we believe there's one God. But Christians believe there is one God existing in three persons. Muslims believe there is one God existing in one person. They do not believe that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are part of the Godhead. So, there is literally and physically one God. Yes, we are monotheists. We believe there's one God but we believe that God has manifest himself in three persons. Uh, Allah is their one God who is beyond understanding. Um, 
he is confessed as the merciful and compassionate one. So they see him as the loving God that we see our God, Jehovah, as loving, merciful, and compassionate. Regarding sin, they don't believe in the human race being fallen. Now in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve fell, they disobeyed God, and it brought the curse of sin along, upon the entire human race. In Islam, they consider humans to be weak and forgetful, but not fallen. So they don't see their sin condition the way that we do. Um, the most serious sin in Islam is to be is to consider God as more than one. Okay, we're starting to see a rub here. We see God as three persons in one. Muslims see God as one person in one. Their worst sin in their religion is the doctrine of the Trinity or even polytheism. Not going to go into much about militant Islam, but you can, I think you can start to see why Christians, Muslims, and Jews are at such um, odds with each other. Angels, they believe in angels, that they're the messengers and agents from Allah. They believe in evil spirits, that Satan is a fallen angel, and that they perform important functions for Allah from now until the end of time. So their view and our view of angels isn't really that much different. Uh, final judgment, Allah will judge the world at the end of time. The good deeds and obedience of all people to the five pillars and the Quran will serve as the basis of judgment. Again, works-based. There's no repentance of sin, no need of a savior. They believe if we follow the five pillars, read the Quran, do what the Quran says, then they're going to be saved. Um, I could not find this, but I know years ago I looked up Muslim eschatology, which eschatology is the study of the end times. And if I'm if I'm misspeaking, if there's any Muslims watching this, I'm saying this wrong, please forgive me. But what I understood when I looked it up at that time is they believed that the end, Jesus, which they they believe in Jesus, and we'll talk more about that in a minute but that Jesus was going to return and that when he returned he would kill all of the Jews and that he would be married. Uh, like I say, I, I wish I could remember that source. If I can find it, I'll pass that along. But that's something to keep in mind too. There's still that, that hatred towards the Jews. Uh, again, salvation is determined by faith and uh, completing good deeds and conformity to the five pillars. Their belief towards marriage is that it's honorable, they condemn adultery, and they condemn homosexuality and other forms of um, sexual orientations beyond that. Um, they believe it's most of the time their marriages are monogamous, but Islamic states will allow as many as four wives per husband. Um, they see women as less than equal 
And the man has a right to divorce his wife, but the wife doesn't have the similar right. But the female does have right to own and sell property, and modesty and dress is encouraged for both men and women. We often see um, women that will dress and have the veil and, and the modest clothing. You don't really see the men too much dressed that way, but I, I've seen the women that way a lot. Their doctrine of war, we're familiar with the term jihad. This is both an external and internal struggle. Um, the enemies of Islam who are considered idolaters, we would be idolaters because we believe in the Trinity. The Quran says that they may be slain, quote, wherever you find them. And paradise is promised for those who die fighting in the cause of Islam. Again, don't want to talk about Muslim extremists versus moderate, but moderate Muslims emphasize more of the spiritual side of the jihad more than the physical. Um, they fight their battle spiritually, but the Quran does say that the idolaters, it is permissible to slay them, and the one slaying them is promised paradise. Now, to a Jew, or to a Muslim, Christians and Jews are known as people of the book. Uh, any, if you were to read the Quran and come across that phrase, people of the book, that's who it's referring to, Christians and Jews. There's some um, questions here that a Muslim might would ask of a um, Jew or Christian, which these are good to be familiar with. I just want to point out a couple of them. Uh, the second question there is, how can Jesus be the Son of God? They reject him as a physical Son, but they give him a title of relationship. They say that Jesus is the Son of God symbolically and that he is God the Word who became flesh. The Quran even affirms the virgin birth and his miracles along with his compassionate ministry and then the ascension to heaven. You would think, you know, if they accept the Gospels and they say that Jesus is God the Word, He is born of a virgin, He performed miracles, that they would bring Him up to the same level as God, that He is God made flesh, but they don't give Him uh, that distinction. They also don't understand how... Um, if Jesus is God's son, how could he die on the cross? That goes back to their view of sin. They don't see the need for the spotless lamb to be our savior. Uh, the Quran says in, in, um, in the Quran, Jesus is referred to as this three letter name, ISA. I believe it's Isa or Isa. But it says, Allah said, oh, Isa, I'm going to terminate, to put to death, the period of your stay on earth and cause you to ascend unto me. So their book says, yes, Jesus will die, but then they don't believe that the Son of God could die on the, on the cross. Um, they do believe that on, 
on the cross that God took Jesus from the cross and substituted Judas in his place or someone who looked like Jesus. So they don't believe that Jesus actually died, but while he was on the cross or possibly even before he got there, that God substituted him with someone else. So he was then taken into heaven, but I don't believe there was a death and resurrection. There was only the ascension. Um, there's a section here about Muslim questions about uh, to Christians about Islam, what we think, but what I really want to hone in now on page 523 it says witnessing the Muslims to be honest if I store if I'm in public somewhere we we have been to Dollywood before and have seen you know the women in their garb I'm you know assuredly that they're of the Muslim faith I'll be honest I'm afraid of them to go up and talk to someone who who I feel is of a militant faith towards me is scary. But we have to have the love and courage to know that this person's on the wrong path. We need to witness to them. So here's some um, some bullet points about how to witness. To Muslim. First it says, be courteous and loving, reflect interest in their beliefs, allow them time to articulate their views. Don't beat a Muslim over the head with the Bible. Give them time to say, this is what I believe, talk with them, and allow them to be able to articulate here in just a minute, not that far off on the basics, but when it comes to the doctrines of salvation, that's where we really differ. But as far as the, the groundwork, it's not that different. Be acquainted with their basic beliefs. Be willing to examine passages of the Quran concerning their beliefs. Um, I, I think it's important here to note that it would be courteous to ask them to translate it from the Arabic to the English. It would be easier to discuss. Stick to the cardinal doctrines of the Christian faith, but also take time to respond to all sincere questions. Point out the centrality of the person and work of Jesus Christ for salvation. Stress that because of Jesus, his cross, and his resurrection, one may have the full assurance of salvation, both now and for eternity. Share the plan of salvation with the Muslim. Point out that salvation is a gift and is not to be earned. That's where one difference. The Muslim believes that they can earn their salvation, whereas salvation is really a gift from God. Pray for the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Trust Him to provide wisdom and grace. In any witnessing encounter, always pray that the Holy Spirit would give you wisdom and grace. And then be willing to become a friend and a personal evangelist to Muslims. Like I said, it's a fearful thing. But if we can demonstrate the love and compassion to them, you know, it's not necessarily that we always need more courage. Sometimes we just need more love to reach those who are lost. So real quick, let's look at uh, part two and then we're, we'll be out of time. But it talks about how to witness to Muslims in, in part two. And it begins talking that the Apostle Paul in Acts 17 
built areas on common ground. Now, Acts 17 is where um, Paul is preaching on Mars Hill. He's there at the Areopagus where there's the monument to the unknown God. And he reasons with them. He begins with where they had common ground and then expands on the gospel. Even though the Gentiles that he spoke to had erroneous beliefs, he didn't rebuke them, but he, through love and compassion, opened up the law and the gospel. Right out of the gate, you don't need to say, well, I don't believe Allah is the real God and you're, you're an idol worshiper. You've probably kept yourself off from the conversation at that point. Or to say, no, the Koran is wrong. We've got to build the common ground before uh, we can go that. But there's three, um, three areas that we can find common ground. First, that there is one God, the creator of all things. We can agree that there is one God who is the creator. We differ on the idea of the Trinity versus a single God. But that is common ground to build on. Second, is they believe that Jesus of Nazareth was a prophet of God. Again, that's not a stretch. We could say, yes, Jesus was the son of God, but he was also a, a prophet bringing God's word to us. And thirdly, Muslims also respect Moses as a prophet of God. So with these um, footholds, that there's one God, that he's creator, Jesus was a prophet of God, and that Moses is a prophet. Those three elements are very important because if they respect Moses, we can open the law of Moses up to say, have you ever lied, have you ever stolen? The general um, way of the master approach that we've talked about through the School of Biblical Evangelism, then when you get through and they've admitted their sin, which realizing their sin is very important, uh, and they admit that, then we can move on to Jesus being the Son of God and being the sacrifice and here's one of those church words, propitiation for our sin. He died on the cross to take our place so that we didn't have to. And there's this one God in heaven, God who sent his son Jesus to die for us that we might be saved. So I encourage you to, to read those parts we didn't go over. That's a very um, high overview of it. But the bottom line is you can ask, well, how, how do I witness to a Muslim how do I witness to a Mormon? How do I witness to an atheist, an agnostic, or a Hindu, or Buddhist? It's all the same. It's good to have a working knowledge of you know, what Muslims believe or what a Hindu believes, just you know, to lay the groundwork. But ultimately, it comes down to, do you know that you're a sinner? Are you headed to heaven or hell to face judgment? Does that concern you? What do you want to do about it? And let me tell you about Jesus. That's the essential formula to witness to anybody. Open the law, share the good news. So do you have any um, 
questions or comments? I know that's kind of a, even though we took a, a wide view at it, it's still a lot of information to process, but one thing I learned is that Muslims aren't totally different from Jews and Christians to the degree that I thought they were. The groundwork is more similar than I thought it would be. Uh, now, I still believe that it's a, uh, that Allah is not the same as Jehovah, that we're not saved by works, but the foundation at least is there. So any, any questions or comments? Has anyone ever had the opportunity to talk to or witness to a Muslim? Do you have an experience? Is everybody scared like I am? Yes, please. Women in the Muslim faith, they don't, they, they have to be in submission to the husband. So I'm sure that's very uh, put down. It's very depressing. And uh, of course, without the joy giver, how can we have joy? And, you know, we see all through the New Testament, you know, every time Paul went somewhere, he was beat or thrown in prison, but he maintained joy. And that's the that's part of our good news is that the joy and the salvation that comes with. But appreciate you sharing, sharing that. I have never uh, met anyone. Of course, I don't get out much, but um, but I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, Bob. How they justify the difference between a man and a woman if they believe in the Gospels that says God created everyone equally. Right. I'm, I'm not sure there was probably something in the Quran that that defines the roles of the man and the woman and since they take it as at precedent over Moses and the Psalms and the Gospels then I'm sure that's probably how they justify it uh, like I said I've not taken time to sit down and and read it but I'm sure there is probably something something there so that's that's a good question I'll have to look into further. I'll read the English version though. Alright. Anybody else? Alright. Well thank you all so much. Thank you. Um, okay we have we have comments from Facebook. Um, we have one comment here that says that they uh, their daughters marry very young and you know, by our standards, it would probably be considered um, pedophilia. But they they marry their daughters off at nine, ten years old, something like that. So, 
So it, it is almost a women, wives, daughters is almost a property more than a than a person that's equal in, in God's sight. So, all right, Facebook crowd, thank you for joining us and appreciate your uh, participation. We'll uh, see you next lesson.